Yes friends today I want to share with you a few tidbits some of my notes stuff that I write down as I go along on a daily basis I hope these words encourage you inspire you the bible says prove all things test all things only keep that which is good as you listen to my podcast Just take out that which is good and you can use it maybe if you're a speech writer, maybe you're a poet, maybe you're a rapper, maybe you're a speaker, a preacher or teacher, maybe you're a ghost writer or maybe you're an author and maybe you are called upon to deliver a speech, a eulogy at a funeral or to be the MC at a birthday party or a wedding or maybe... at the valedictorian meeting or whatever so there i'm sure there's something in here for you so i'm going to start in the past a woman would use a fan to stir the heart of a man for centuries the fan was an exotic language between men and women if the woman placed the fan upon her breast half open it meant i love you If she closed it and held it against her cheek it meant when can i see you again if she opened it and held it under her chin it meant wait for me if she closed it and held it under her chin it meant you may kiss me so the difference between purpose and reason you have a purpose but you don't always understand the reason why don't let your scars define you here's a secret for your business the rich carlton has three levels of service the one service is to do what is expected the second service is to do what is requested The third service is to do as you please. Okay. So there's such a thing as rhythm. So the word rap R A P means rhythm and poetry. Life is full of rhythms. The word rhythm is defined it means to a regular sequence of events or processes. Rhythms is the measured flow of verses. phrases and words in verse or prose rhythm is also a strong regular repeated action of movement or sound rhythm generally means a movement marked by the regulated succession of strong and weak elements or of opposite or different conditions i read a scripture uh, once in the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 and 29 It is in the New Testament it is in the second half of the Bible the Christian religious book the Bible and they say Bible stands for B I B L stands for be informed before leaving earth B I B L may be an acronym that also means basic information before leaving earth And then I read in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 29 because I was writing something about your quiet time. Quiet time means 
every morning before you get up, you do your devotions. It means you go to God and thank God for carrying you through the night. And then you ask God to guide you through the day and be with you. And sometimes you read a portion of scripture. So I felt that this scripture in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 and 29 is so appropriate for a quiet time. So some people call it a quiet time and some people call it devotions. And I came to the conclusion one should not call it only quiet time or only devotions. I think one should call it devotional quiet time. That's what one should call it, I think. Because I think devotions is what you do to God. It's your part or duty towards God. You devote your time to Him and you devote, give your devotions to Him, your praise and your worship. And I think the quiet time is for yourself. During the quiet time, you sit down and you reflect, you search your heart and your life, and you look back over your life. You look back, go into retrospection, and look back, where did I go wrong? Where did I miss the mark? Why did I fail? And then as you start your new day, you ask God to help you to do it over, to help you to do it better, and to help you to do it right. I think that's what, what, so I will call it a devotional quiet time. Devotion is the part you do towards God, and the quiet time is what you do about yourself before you go into devotion. And, and um, there's a word, they use the word bifurcate. To bifurcate, something that is bifurcated means it's something that's divided into two parts. Like the, the Our Father, the prayer of the Our Father is bifurcated. It's got two parts. The first part of the Our Father is, has to do with God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thine kingdom come, thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second part is about you. Then you say, give us or give me this day my daily bread. Give us. It's about us then, the second part. Forgive us our trespasses. Deliver us from evil. And lead us not into temptation. So it's in two parts. So that's why I feel a devotions and quiet time should, be, should also be bifurcated. A time for devotion, a time for quiet time. And that's the, even the Ten Commandments are bifurcated. It is divided into two. You will find that the first, I think the first five commands... It has to do with, with God. It's about your relationship with God. And then the second part of the Ten Commandments has to do with you, your duty, your duty towards God. That is the second part of the uh, Ten Commandments. And so that's why I want to call the quiet time, not the quiet time, and not the uh, devotional but a devotional quiet time. So this is the scripture I read there. And this is where the words rhythm comes in. In Matthew 11, 28, 29, it says, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, Jesus said. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced 
rhythms of grace. There's the word rhythm and that's why I wrote on rhythm and search and research the definition, the accurate or the detailed definition of rhythm. We know, we all know what rhythm is, but this is a more a detailed uh, version. So I'm going to carry on now to read to you uh, some of my notes that I penned during the day, during the course of the week. And I wrote here, Joseph waited for 13 years. The story of Joseph is in the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 37 to 50. Wonderful lessons and inspiration, motivation in there. Abram waited 25 years. He's also in the Bible from Genesis chapter 12. You read about Abram. In fact, Abram was called from Iraq. He used to live in Iraq. But those days it was called Ur of the Chaldees. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years. If God is making you wait, you're in good company. Good morning to you, friends, Romans, countrymen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God is able to turn things around for you. Things are about to take a turn for the good in your life. Did you know that God can turn your junk into jewelry? Your trash into treasure? Your disappointment into an appointment? Your mess into a message and your pain into power. You've just got to believe it, to receive it. If you believe it, you receive it. If you doubt it, you're going to go without it. But if you confess it, you will definitely possess it. Enjoy your life. Good day to you. May God bless you and may God enrich you. Here are the dispensations. The first dispensation was the dispensation of innocence, starting from Genesis chapter 3, verse 11 to 13. The second dispensation was the dispensation of conscience, Genesis 3 through to Genesis chapter 8. The next dispensation was the dispensation of human government. Genesis chapter 8 to Genesis chapter 11. The next dispensation was the dispensation of promise. Genesis 12 to Exodus 19. The next dispensation was the dispensation of the law from Exodus 20 to Acts chapter 2. The next Dispensation after that was the dispensation of grace from Acts 2 to the rapture. The next dispensation after that is the messianic dispensation or the millennium. That will last for a thousand years. Amen. God bless you. Good morning to you. Good day to you or good evening to you. Wherever you may be in the world, uh, I'm sure one of those greetings is applicable to you or appropriate. Uh, today, 
is the day that the Lord has made. The Bible says, let us rejoice and be glad in it. So every day when I wake up in the morning, when I start my prayer, I start by uh, making a declaration, by saying that today is going to be the most wonderful day of my life in comparison with the past. Because today God's going to do for me exceeding abundantly beyond what I can think or pray. Now these words I utter is based on, on scripture in the Bible. The first one is based on Proverbs 4 verse 18. In Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 it says, The path of the righteous becomes brighter until the full day. Now I am no better than you. But because I received the Lord Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, as my personal Lord and Savior, because I believed that the one who was born and called the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, was God manifested in that flesh, was God revealing himself in that body, was God visiting man through that body, and when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he was called the Lamb of God. He, he paid the price for the sins of the world. Because in the olden days, uh, the people, they had to bring sacrifices. They had to uh, sacrifice maybe a lamb or maybe a goat or maybe a cow. Or if they were very poor, they sacrificed uh, uh, doves, birds if they couldn't afford a goat or a cow. And the Bible says there's no forgiveness for sin except by the shedding of blood. Not the blood of a human being, but the blood of a, an animal. And they had to bring that animal to the temple, or which they also called the tabernacle. And then they would bring it to the priest, and the priest would slaughter it, and, and sacrifice it, and the blood that flowed now um, brought about forgiveness for the one who, who brought that sacrifice. But those sacrifices over the years never really changed the people. So God said, no, he's going to send someone, his son, to die on the cross, and that blood, his blood that will flow on that day, will be a propitiation for the sins of all mankind because His blood is much purer than the blood of goats and animals. So Jesus died on the cross. So to some people, they will just think, no, He was crucified because of A, B, C, and D. But actually, He died on that day. And His blood, He sacrificed His life. And he poured out his blood. He shed his precious blood. So that we as mankind can be forgiven. So if you believe that. It will bring value to your life. An assurance of eternal life to you. If you believe it, you receive it. If you doubt it, you're going to go without it. But if you confess it, you will possess it. So I believe that Jesus was the son of God. And he is alive. I believe that. He died on the cross for my sins and His precious blood um, worked out the forgiveness for my sins too. So I believe in that sacrifice. Glory to God. 
And so now he says, Since I believed and received him as my personal savior, I received him and said, Lord, I receive you as my personal savior. I believe you the one who saved me. Save me from what? Many people say, when they receive the Lord as a personal Savior, they are saying, I'm saved now. But what are you saved from? You are saved from eternal judgment. Because remember, after death, uh, death doesn't end it all. Death doesn't end it all. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews 9 verse 27, it says, it is appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. Some people think that if you die, it's over and done with. No, death is just a transition to the next life. It means that you will be resurrected and you will appear before the great white throne judgment. That's why you see courts. So that you can understand when you speak of a judgment. The Bible says the things on the earth are shadow of the heavenly things. If there's a shadow of a tree, it means there is a tree, a real tree. If there's a shadow of judgment, it means there is a real judgment. So after you die, you will one day be resurrected. And appear before God. You can read all about that in the book of Revelation. Chapter 20. From verse 11 to 15. It says there God showed a man a vision of the end times. The man's name was John. This man was persecuted and imprisoned for his faith. They call him John the Revelator. And in the vision he saw a great white throne. And on the throne sat one so powerful and so mighty that the heavens and the earth flew away from him. And the Bible says, and, and this man saw in the vision the dead, great and small, standing before God. And then books were opened. And everybody was judged according to their works, that which was written in those books. All the deeds they've done in the, the whole of their lifetime. And then another book was opened, the book of life. And it says, if their names were not found written in that book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And there they will suffer forever and ever and ever. Why? Because your body is not you, your soul is you. And your soul is eternal. Your soul cannot perish. Your soul cannot burn out. Amen. So what happened is, if you want to escape that suffering in eternal hell, then you have to receive the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and believe that His blood paid the price for your sins. And that moment when you receive Him as your personal Lord and Savior, your name will be written in the book of life. And you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And you'll become a child of God. And then you'll be declared righteous. It means 
in right standing with God. So I'm coming back to my first statement where I said my, my declaration in the morning is based on, on that. He says, the path of the righteous become brighter until the full day. So how can I be so righteous that I can appropriate that promise for myself? Because the righteousness I have is not the righteousness based on my good works. But it's a righteousness based on the good work of the Lord on the cross. So I have imputed righteousness. It's almost like paying. Say if we get into, we are a group of 10. We're getting into the bus. But only one person pay. The one person pay for all of us. And so when we get into the bus and the, driver says, Where, where's your, did you pay? He said, yes, I paid through him. He paid for me. So it means when he paid for me, I have paid. So when Christ died, I died with him on the cross. So the righteousness of Christ has now become my righteousness. You see, that man's payment has become my payment. So I am Declared righteous in right standing with God. So you too can receive imputed righteousness. If you receive the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So in the morning, that's what I declare. I say today is going to be the most wonderful day of my life in comparison with the past. Today, God's going to do for me beyond what I can think or pray. I repeat, the first statement is based on Proverbs 4 verse 18, where he says, the path of the righteous become brighter until the full day. He says, in other words, if my path is going to become brighter until the full day, it means every next day will be brighter, will be better. But you say, but, but how can that be? So, and the news says, it's bad days lying ahead, bad times, troubled times. No, the Bible says, darkness may come over the earth, but over you, his child, the light of the Lord will shine. Amen. So, I declare and I believe my day is going to get better. My life is going to get better. Even during the time of COVID, when people were dying around me and people were getting sick, I didn't get sick and I didn't die. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The next thing I say today, God's going to do beyond what I can think or pray. And that, those words are based on Ephesians 3 verse 20. It says, unto him is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what you can think or pray. Or what I can think or pray. Praise the Lord. Beyond, beyond, over and above what we can think or pray. As you believe, so shall it be. They say, if you believe it, you will receive it. If you doubt it, you're going to go without it. So do not doubt, but believe what the Bible says. The Bible also says, if you do not doubt, Mark 11, verse 23 and 24, if you do not doubt, but believe what you say, you shall have what you have said. Amen. Yes. I'm just busy uh, reflecting on my life and giving thanks to God at this moment for blessing me with the gift of articulation. 
the gift of speech and the gift of diction. All that I am, I am by the grace of God. It's He who's helping me. It's God who's inspiring me. It's God performing everything in my life. So I just always give thanks unto Him. I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm no better than anyone. I'm just an ordinary person. Like they say, I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And sometimes when I think of the goodness of God and what He has done for me and what He has given to me, I'm so overwhelmed by it and so blown away by what He has blessed me with that I feel I want to share it with someone. And therefore I, I came to my recorder to record this and, and craft a podcast so that you, dear listener, may, be, may uh, receive a blessing from it. And if I would title this podcast, I would title it as He Will. It means God will. And uh, there's a song I heard many years ago, and it said, uh, He will open up the doorway you never knew was there. He will show you many things you knew not how. He will let you know He listens to your every prayer. So in this life, no one is perfect. I'm not perfect. We all make mistakes, different mistakes. A mistake uh, does not have to be a gross sin. Sometimes we're just negligent. Sometimes we're just uh, disobedient. Sometimes when God tells us to do something, we don't do it immediately. Say, for instance, God says, uh, put um, some, some groceries into a bag and take it to your neighbor. And then uh, we delay that. And we don't do it. Or we do it, but we do it much later on another day but it may be too late by then or that person may not need it as much as they needed it that day when the Lord told us to go so that's the disobedience and sin does not necessarily have to be violent or so dire that, that it would appear in the newspaper or on, on television just disobedience is a sin and, and uh, it's a gross sin because disobedience, according to the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, according to the Bible, disobedience is idolatry. It's idolatry. It's like worshipping an idol. It's like worshipping another God. Because there's only two voices that speak in our minds. It's the voice of God or the voice of the devil. Now, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, that the devil is the God of this world. And, and so, when God says to me, put some groceries in a bag and take it to your neighbor, and another voice says to me, no, don't, no, that neighbor has got enough. They don't need it, or you can do it tomorrow. It's late already. Then that voice, that other voice I'm listening to and obeying, I'm now listening to another God. I'm, I'm honoring another God more than I honor the voice of God. It means I'm, I'm they say, whom you obey, you're a slave to that, that person you obey. And if you obey that voice of the devil, you're a slave. He's your master. So 
That's what, what, why disobedience is such a gross sin because that voice, that other voice that tells you not to do it now or not to do it at all is the voice of another God. So sometimes we frown at people who, who bow before idols. You say, oh, that person bow before Buddha or before Krishna or they bow before a stone or they bow before an image or, or they worship a man, a certain man or whatever or a mountain or whatever, then we frown upon that and say, look at these people there. They are foolish to worship these idols. But when we are disobedient, we are also worshiping an idol. We are worshiping the devil, the God of this world. And so oftentimes we are busy with devilish things. And, and then we, <laughs> we don't realize that what we are doing is devilish. We always think uh, it's only people who do drugs and people who are violent and gangsters and people who do evil things, who, who, who are uh, devilish and who are busy with uh, demonic things. But I read a scripture in, in the book of James. The book of James is uh, right after the book of uh, Hebrews in the New Testament. The New Testament is in the book of the Christians, the Christian Bible comprised of two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And right in the back of that, uh, uh, the Bible of the Christians, there's a book called James. You can Google it also. And it says in James um, uh, chapter 3, I, I just want to show to you that sometimes even we as Christians may be busy with demonic things or devilish things unbeknown to us. And if you read from... Uh, uh, James chapter 3 from verse 13 to 18, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Wow, listen to that. Listen to that, my friend. So if I am envious of others or have bitterness in my heart towards others and am self-seeking, selfish, that means I am demonic. It's demonic. It's not godly. And he says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Wow. Wow. So envy and, and selfishness create confusion and, and creates conflict and bitterness. It's demonic and devilish. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes we, uh, I'm talking about Christians now. I'm not attacking anyone out there. I'm talking about me as a Christian. Sometimes I may be busy with something devilish, but not devilish like satanic worship or the occult. But being envious and jealousy and jealous can be a demonic according to this word, the Bible. So, but what I'm trying to say is, so we all make mistakes. Maybe you make a mistake. Maybe you didn't forgive someone or I don't forgive. Maybe we hate people. Maybe we are vindictive. We want to take revenge on someone or curse someone or, or rejoice when our enemy something bad happen to them where they in an accident or lose their job, we, we rejoice in that, it, which is wrong. We must forgive our enemies and we must not be glad when something bad happens to them. 
Like, like for instance, sometimes people come to me for prayer. They say, this person is creating a lot of problems for them. Their the manager or their and, uh, CEO is creating a lot of problems. The job has become unbearable. They can't take it anymore from this CEO or manager. They say, please pray that God must remove this person. Then I pray, Lord, remove the CEO and this manager, but give him or her a good job, another job in another place, also a good job, and let it go well with them. Let it go better with them. I don't want God to remove them so that it may go bad with them. I pray, Lord, remove them into another good job or into a better job and let them be happy where they are. So, we must have no bitterness and no hatred because remember we all make mistakes and we may all, I myself, may irk people or upset people and then the people start cursing me too and wish bad on me. But if I pray that kind of kind prayer, considerate prayer for others when I have gone into error or offended someone, then others will also pray for me in that same manner and say, remove this person, remove Henry out of our life or our organization, but also remove him to a good place and let it go well with him. Because the Bible says, with the measure you measure, it shall be measured. As you do unto others, it shall be done unto you. So the purpose of this uh, uh, this uh, podcast is not to preach uh, whatever I said now, just came out of uh, my mouth. Uh, I won't say by accident, maybe God ordained it so, maybe God wanted you to hear this and me to hear it. And maybe it's not for you, dear listener. It may be that you have to share this with somebody else, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your parents, your colleagues, or maybe you're a pastor or leader of an org- or, or group leader, youth leader, whatever. Maybe you need to this to share this with someone, or maybe you were looking for something to share. And now you have something, yeah. So uh, this is the real reason uh, I said I would title this podcast, He Will. Because this is what I realized over and over again. There's a scripture in, also in the Bible. There's a book, right? The last book in the Christian Bible, New Testament, is called Revelation, the book of Revelation. Just before that book, there's another book. The book's name is Jude. It's a very, very small book. It's about just 24 verses, not even 24 chapters. I think it's only got one chapter, but 24 verses. And, and uh, or maybe 25, but verse 24 says, Unto him, unto God, who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before him blameless and faultless. What that scripture actually says, in spite of the fact that as I journey through life, I may make mistakes or I may disobey God or grieve the Holy Spirit. Many times we, we, we make mistakes and do stuff, but we don't do it intentionally. It is not our habit. It is not our intent to do that. We don't delight in doing these things. And sometimes we find ourselves just out of uh, reflex or, or impulse. We do or say stuff that hurt other people and we go into error or, or as the Bible calls it, we sin. But God is gracious to forgive us. And he says, what he's saying there, he's, he's able to keep us from falling. In other words, although we go into error, error although we may slip or slide, uh, there's a songwriter that says, um, every time my foot in some sun had slipped, he took me from its clutch. 
It means every time I, 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 I slip and say, for instance, someone provoked me to anger and, and, and maybe the guy want to rob me or want to rob an old man or old lady and I challenge him and I say, leave this old lady or leave this man alone. But now I become angry and I'm on the verge of becoming violent, using force, which I shouldn't do. So that's a temptation and I feel after when I leave that person, move away, I feel so sorry for what I did. Maybe I didn't hit him, but I felt sorry for going into anger and, and warning that person in, in such a way where I felt I was on the verge of using violent force. And, and then I'm so very sorry. So that's the time I would say I slept. I slept there. Although I didn't hit the person, I didn't swear. But I felt it, it was wrong of me to get that angry. And then, but each time my foot in some sin had slipped, God took me from its clutch. So God would pull me back immediately and he would comfort me and he would lead me into prayer. And I would pray and say, Lord, forgive me for becoming so angry. Remove that anger by its roots out of my heart and replace that anger with a spirit of meekness, with a spirit of humility with tender-heartedness. Let me not be so easily provoked to anger and become so just ready to, to, to use force. And so that's what God does. God is so gracious. He keeps us from falling. He keeps us from falling. Or if we make a mistake, He brings us back and He says, My child, I've forgiven you. I understand you went into error, but I forgive you. Pull yourself up uh, uh, by the bootstraps again and move on. Just shake it off and move on. And, and that's what God does. So what that scripture says in Jude 24, he says, God is able to keep us from falling, uh, right? Going into total violence and becoming a violent person constantly or, or going into some kind of sin and, and becoming a slave to sin. God is able to keep us from falling. And he is able to present us before him blamelessly. In other words, the day when we appear before God, we will be blameless. He will see to it that our lives are in right standing with him. He will see to it that we are moving in synchronization with his timing. He will see to it that our minds are configured according to the mind of Christ. He will see to it that we are in moving in alignment with His will. He will see to it that our lives are calibrated according to His standards. That's what Jude 24 says, unto Him who is able to keep us from falling. Hallelujah. He's the keeper of our hearts. He's the keeper of our souls. That's why they, He teaches us. Every day I pray the, the Our Father. I'm not Catholic nor Anglican, but I'm a Pentecostal or Charismatic, but I pray the Our Father pray every day. But when it comes to that one line, he says, lead us not into temptation. Then I thank God and, and I say, yo, the Lord has really kept me. He has prevented me from being exposed to a situation where I can be tempted to fight or tempted to become angry and, and lash out. At because that was my weak point uh, when before I received the Lord as my personal Savior, before I became a Christian. My weak point was I was easily provoked. To anger. I was easily prov provoked to fight. I was afraid of no one. 
not even of the police or the army. I, I, I would take them on. It doesn't matter. But God has delivered me. He has kept me. But every now and then the devil seemed like they want to taunt me or, or provoke me in those areas which was my, my weakness. But God, so when I pray the Our Father, lead me not into temptation. God keeps me, keeps me in such a way so that I'm never exposed to such situations where I may be provoked to anger. So that's what Jude 24 means. Unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before him <laughs> blameless. But the real scripture I want to, hallelujah, share with you, dear listener, the real one that really blows me away. This is the real reason I crafted this uh, podcast today. It is found in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8. Uh, to me, I wrote yet, I'm reading from my diary, um, and, and it says here, 1 Corinthians 8, unpacked and loaded. Amen. Here comes ear candy. This is what God will do for you and for me. This is His promise. He will establish you. He will keep you steadfast. He will give you strength. He will guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation. He will be your warrant against any indictment. He will help you to be guiltless. He will make you irreproachable. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? He will establish you to the end, meaning He will keep you steadfast, give you strength, guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment on that day. If a devil come and accuse you and say, uh, remind you of what you did in the past. God will guarantee your vindication. God will warrant you against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless. You and I will be guiltless on that day, on the judgment day. There's no judgment for us. We've been forgiven. As children of God, all our sins have been blotted out in the books. And we will be irreproachable in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. That is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. And I encourage you to read it in the AMPC uh, version or uh, uh, translation of the Bible. AMPC. Like amplified with a C. AMPC. Read it in that version and you'll get it exactly like this. I, I sort of expounded a bit on it. But may the Lord bless you. This is a promise. That, that although we make mistakes as we serve God and go on our journey in life, there's no one who goes on this journey, this life journey in the Lord, who, who doesn't make mistakes, who don't falter or fail now and then. But He will open up the door where you never knew was there. He will show you many things you knew not how. He will let you know He listens to your every prayer. He will. And He will establish you. He will keep you steadfast. He will give you strength. He will guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation. He will be your warrant against any indictment. He will help you to be guiltless. He will make you irreproachable. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He will establish you to the end. 
He will establish you to the end, meaning He will keep you steadfast. He will give you strength. I repeat, He will guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not worry. God who began the good work in you as a Christian, you will complete that work. You will perfect that work. Even if you have failed Him, even if you have disobeyed Him, even if you have strayed away from God, come back, my friend. Return to God. The hymn writer said, I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. Remember the prodigal son. Read about that in the book of uh, Luke. In Luke chapter 15, you will find that there was a boy. There was a boy. He, he wanted his inheritance from his father. He didn't wait for his father to die. He said, Dad, give me my portion of the inheritance. And so his father gave it to him and he went to a faraway place and he wasted the money on, on parting and drinking and all that kind of stuff. But at, at, eventually all his money was exhausted and he became so poor he had to work at a pig farm. But he came back. And when he came back, the Bible says, when the father saw him coming on far, the father ran to him to bring him back. The father didn't judge him and condemn him and say, yeah, you wasted the money, now you want to come home. No, the father welcomed him back and, and gave a feast for him and new clothes and a ring. And so that's what God will do to you, even if you are a backslider, if you backslid, even if you turn your back on God, even if you wandered far from God, even if you are not saved, even if you're not a born-again Christian, if you come to God, He will welcome you. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you're an atheist, even if you persecuted Christians or, or did bad things to them or spoke against the Bible or spoke against God, there's grace for you. God will receive you. He will welcome you. Come to Him. Contact a Christian and say, brother or sister or pastor, pray for me. Or maybe even if you want to contact me, you can check out somewhere there. Maybe there's a contact number, an email address you can contact me and I can pray with you, encourage you. But God will never reject you. He will never show you away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God will never show you away and say, why? I don't want nothing to do with you. No, God loves you because he created you in the beginning. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for Christians. He died for all mankind, for all humanity. If you come to him, even if you were a thief or a robber or or gangster, or drug addict, it doesn't matter what you did. There's forgiveness. There's no sin so big that God cannot forgive it. There's no sin who is so bad that God cannot accept you and forgive you and cleanse you and give you a new life and a new beginning. Come to God. Come to Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Be encouraged, my friend. Go on your knees, even if there's no Christian around. Go on your knees and say, God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Please help me. Please pick up the broken pieces of my life and make it whole. Please save me. Please deliver me. God, lead me, guide me. Send somebody to me. Send a Christian to me to help me, to guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray for everyone who's listening to this podcast that you'd bless the listener now. And if there's someone listening who's sick, heal that person now, my God. If there's someone who's listening whose marriage is broken, restore that marriage. If there's someone who's listening who's 
whose visions and dreams and goals and aspirations in life has fallen into pieces, into broken pieces, pick it up and make something beautiful out of their lies. If there's someone listening who's got no money, make a way for them for a job and money. If there's someone here listening who's got no place to stay, make a way for them to have a place to stay. Make a way for them for a job. Bring their family together. Bring their marriage together. Pick up the broken pieces of their lives. And if there's someone struggling with drugs or alcohol or some vice or something that's driving them or anger or violence, forgive this person and deliver him or deliver her. Kuramashika Bahanta Karamahanti. Change this person's life now, my God. Kuramashuka Bahanta Karamahanta Barasiki. Transform this person's life. Lead this person by your spirit. Guide him or her. If there's someone listening who's on the verge of committing suicide, encourage this person. Give this person hope. Give this person hope. Help this man if there's someone with a disease where the doctor or sickness, the doctor said nothing can be done, but with you, God, all things are possible. Heal this person of that sickness, infirmity. Save the life of this person who's on the verge of committing suicide. Give this person hope. Give this person who's listening a new beginning. Give this person an answer. Like the hymn writer said, he will open up the door where you never knew was there. He will show you many things you knew not how. He will let you know he listens to your every prayer. My friend, listener, don't worry. Even if you don't know how to pray, did you know your tears is a prayer? Even if you don't know how to pray, your sigh is a prayer. That sigh, this is a sigh. <sighs> that is a sigh. Those are prayers. If you read in the book of Acts in the New Testament, 7 verse 34, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush and said, Moses, come here, I want to send you to go and deliver my people. I've heard their sighs, not their prayers. They were groaning and sighing. I can't take this heavy burden anymore. That's what they were saying. They were not praying. So every sigh you give goes before God and He's going to answer it. Every tear you shed is a prayer. And even if you just look up to God, saying nothing, that is a prayer you'll look. God bless you. Keep on keeping on. Never give up. Come to Jesus. Come to God. It doesn't matter what, what sins you have committed. The, the hymn writer said, he looked beyond my fault and he saw my need. Remember, Moses was a murderer. He killed a man. But God called him and use him to become an emancipator. Even Peter was a murderer. Even David, King David in the Bible, he murdered a man to get the man's wife. But God forgave him and restored him and made him a king and changed his heart and his life. It's no secret what God can do. What he did for others, he can do for you. The Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Amen. Good morning to you. God reveals something to me. He says when things go wrong, it's not really things that's going wrong. Sometimes you make a mistake or sometimes people come up against you. Sometimes people hate you or they close a door in your face or they resist you or there's a barrier or you hit a cul-de-sac. You don't get a breakthrough. People reject you. People turn against you. They backstab you. They betray you. 
they accuse you falsely, they try to jeopardize your life or sabotage your plans or undermine you. And God revealed to me, He said, all these bad things that happened to you or to me, us being children of the Lord, like the Bible says, all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord whom the Lord loves. So the Lord said to me, it's not a mistake, it's a divine setup. Glory to God, hallelujah. It's not a betrayal, it's a divine orchestration. It is not a false accusation, it's a divine correlation. Hallelujah. It is not that bad things are happening to you. It's not a failure. It's a divine construct. Hallelujah. It is not a detour. It is a divine algorithm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is not that things are not going according to plan. It's a divine adjustment. Glory to God. It is not that your, your vision has now been jeopardized. Everything you planned meticulously has fallen apart. It's not, it didn't fall apart. It's a divine alignment. Glory to God. When your plans fail and when, when people leave you, the people who's part of your plan and part of your project, they abandon you. It's not an abandonment. It's a divine modification. Just know that God is in charge. That everything that happens to you works out for the good. The, go the bad things is going to work out for the good. If you want to read about someone's life, a person who experienced rejection from his own uh, brothers, attempted murder from his own siblings, hallelujah, a betrayal from his own family members, hallelujah, a false accusation uh, from his, his boss's wife uh, accusing him of sexual harassment. And then uh, a loss of a job, loss of employment, loss of income, loss of dignity. All these things happened to this guy. But at the end of the day, although his life was characterized by a downward spiral, although his, most of his life was characterized by bad things, things going wrong. It seemed like today you would say you are cursed. Uh, like today people will say, yeah, you are, you, 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 you are unlucky. You're experiencing bad, bad luck. It seems that, that life is against you or like the people call it universe is against you. No, 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 no. It was a divine orchestration by God. It was a divine correlation. It was a divine construct. It was a divine algorithm. It was a divine adjustment. It was a divine alignment. It was a divine modification. It was a divine orchestration. And it was a divine setup. Because when you get a setback, don't take a step back, but make a comeback. Remember, setbacks are setups for comebacks. So this man, Joseph, you can read about him in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Christian Bible, Genesis, from chapter 37 through to chapter 50. Praise the Lord. You can read about his life story. And you will find out that this man 
in spite of everything that went wrong in his life, he became the prime minister of the superpower of the day of Egypt, of the most powerful nation in his day. Amen. And had he not experienced all these bad things, had, all, had they not rejected him, had they not betrayed him, had they not sold him, had the woman not accused him falsely, had he not had to go to jail, then he would never have become the prime minister. They would not have known about him. So all these things, they are set up. The bad things that's happening to you, bad things are not happening to you. They are happening for you. <laughs> so as you go through life and go through these things, don't go through these problems. Grow through them. Amen. Hallelujah. Just have a good mind and whatever happens, just say, this is going to work out for the good. I may not see it now. The, remember what Job experienced. He experienced a lot of calamity. He lost his business. He lost his health. He lost his wife's uh, confidence in him. He lost his, his dear closest friends. Uh, their trust in him. But at the end of the day, the Bible says the latter end of Job was greater than its, his former. Amen. Glory to God. It's not the end. It's only a bend. It's not the end of your life. It's not the end of the world. Maybe you say, but things are, things are against you. You say, but I, I'm already at a certain age. How can things get better? I'm already, maybe you're saying you're 50 or maybe you're 40, maybe you're 30, maybe you're 60, maybe you're 70, maybe you're 80. You say, it's over. But Moses was called when he was 80 years old. God used him as an emancipated deliverer. Praise the Lord. Joshua became the leader of the nation at 65. Winston Churchill led uh, Britain and the world to, to conquer and defeat uh, Hitler when he was 62. Abraham Lincoln, he ran for presidency for, for many, many years and failed. But at 62, he became the, the president of the United States. And Colonel Sanders of the Kentucky fame, he discovered his winning a recipe when he was about 62 also. So you see, it's not the end, it's only a bend. It's not the end. As long as there's life, there's hope. The Lord bless you. Amen. So remember when you get the setback, don't take a step back, but make a comeback because setbacks are setups for comebacks. So when, whenever something goes wrong in my life, and the people say, now what are you going to do? I say, I don't worry and I don't fret. My God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time. I don't worry. I'm not the worrying kind. Because I've got confidence God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, Jesus is going to fix it for you. Amen. Because if you take one step, he'll take two. If you stand still, he'll fight your battles for you. He will hear you when you call and he will help you when you fall. Amen. <laughs> God bless you. Enjoy your life.